This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, I don't have to tell you, 2020 has been quite the year. But what does it say about 2021? What's that going to be like, especially with the markets? Where do you put your money? How do you protect your money? How do you make sure you're positioned for your family, for your retirement? Well, I'm Martin Strong, and on this edition of Vancouver Consumer, this afternoon we'll get some answers from Chris Sabat. He's at Macmillan Estate Planning. He has lots of great ideas. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines. Are you ready for another Olympics in Vancouver? Vancouver City Council has voted 7-4 to four, uh, to start looking into the feasibility of hosting another Winter Olympics, this one in 2030. Those in favor, which included the mayor, Kennedy Stewart, say they just want to start the conversation and hear from both sides. Opponents, like Councillor Pete Fry, say it wouldn't help deal with the city's homelessness problem. Others argued that the 2010 Olympics and Expo 86 were indirectly responsible for our current affordable housing crisis. Councillor Melissa DiGenova pointed to the construction of the Canada Line, the Convention Centre, the Olympic Village Development, the Hillcrest Community Centre, all that public art, like the large bird sculptures at Olympic Village, and the creation of jobs as some of the benefits of the 2010 Olympics. We got a glimpse this week of how the skyline of Vancouver at the foot of Burrard Bridge will soon look like. For years, the site of the old Molson Brewery has been boarded up, on Burrard Street. This past week, some artist renderings were leaked to the media showing what Concord Pacific has in mind for the site, and it's pretty ambitious. Quantum Park will include 300,000 square feet of office, retail, and restaurant space with 3,000 residences built up in towers near the south end of the Burrard Bridge. It'll include all sorts of things, including rooftop gardens and green spaces. And after the very tense election that's going on in the United States, it looks like Americans are still talking about how they want to move to Canada. Immigration lawyer Nathan McQuarrie, who is an American working in Vancouver who helps people emigrate, says he is seeing a major uptick in people hoping to move to the Great White North and even renounce their citizenship. But it's not that easy. The most common way is to have a spouse or relative who already is Canadian. The second way is a little tougher, and that's uh, to do it through work. But it has to be the right kind of work. For example, nurses and other healthcare workers typically have an easier path into Canada. Uh, it's also not cheap because typically you have to have money in the bank to qualify. McQuarrie says a single applicant hoping to relocate must have a minimum of $12,000, actually $12,960 saved up to qualify for permanent residency. And I think if you look up the word uncertainty in the dictionary, you'll just see the number 2020, because these are uncertain times, especially in the markets. So how do you protect yourself, especially if you're kind of thinking about retirement and moving into sort of a change in your life? Well, we have the experts here. Chris Sabat from Macmillan Estate Planning is with us. Hi, Chris. Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm doing great. Now, you guys have a couple of virtual seminars coming up, uh, Wednesday, November 18th, uh, and then Wednesday, November 2nd. Uh, you can go to 
www.macmillanestate.com to sign up. But let's talk about uncertainty before we get into questions like who needs estate planning. Let's talk about the uncertainty in the market. Have you ever seen it this uh, this strange before? No, I, I I can't say that I have. I mean, it's it's quite fascinating in the sense that you know to start with, we we sort of see that the market and the economy in general don't seem to be be related any longer. Um, there was a time when when there were poor economic indicators would would naturally mean that the market was working its way down, but that that hasn't been the case lately. We're seeing sort of wild swings on a I don't know I don't know if it's necessarily day to day basis but certainly a weekly basis and uh, a lot of the the rules that we used to sort of live by or go by as it related to investing in the market seems to seem seem to be in question so there there's a great deal of uncertainty. So what do you say to somebody who comes to see you at Macmillan Estate Planning and uh, says, well, I'm, I'm thinking about retiring in the next few years. I've got a little bit of a nest egg saved up, but what do I do? I mean, obviously everybody's different, but there is, is there one sort of piece of sage advice that you give to everybody? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the real trend now is looking for principal or capital guarantees. Um, the, the problem that we have now is that for the foreseeable future, interest rates are going to be incredibly low. And so if you're at that stage where you need to um, you need to basically invest, you need to have your assets grow, it's going to be very difficult to do it outside of the capital market. So when you get back into the stock market or as you continue to be in the stock market, looking for things like investment trusts where we can guarantee the the principal or the capital uh, of your investment are, are really the way to go from my perspective. You know, at the end of the day, if you, you pick a value, you know, whether it's a few hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, you put that in the market, there's some assurance that, that that value will always be there, you know, either on passing or on the maturity of the investment. And, uh, it, you know, it's really the primary option that I would encourage most families to look to. So let's talk a little bit about an investment trust. For a lot of people, it, it may seem, you know, like another language. So it's basically, say you have $500,000 to invest. Uh, what is, in, in layman's terms, what is an investment trust? Sure. So you primarily have two, two ways in which you can invest. Um, one's often referred to as sort of investing through the Bank Act, which is you know your your traditional sort of stocks and bonds type type of approach, you know mutual funds. And then on the flip side, there are many of the many similar investments that are that are available through the Insurance Act. And one of the one of the benefits of using the Insurance Act or or an investment trust, or some people refer to it as a commercialized trust is that you're able to obtain guarantees that you can't obtain through sort of traditional means of investing. And so that that ability to sort of lock in and guarantee both your initial capital and at times growth on that capital become quite attractive. Yeah, because I guess in the old days, uh, if you were retiring, you would just take your money and put it in a a T-bill or something and make 12% interest. But those days are gone. Uh, so you there you have to take some risk. Well, and that's what you're trying to balance because what you really want to do is you, you want to get some return on your investment without the risk. 
And so the great thing about using a commercialized or an investment trust is that you can take that risk, but at the end of the day, know that there's a floor to that risk in the sense that the capital that you put into the investment will be there, you know, either on on passing to preserve a state value or on the maturity of the investment. Because at the end of the day, um, you're just not going to see any sort of meaningful return through things like GICs or, you know, other holdings that are rely, reliant upon upon interest rates. Mm-hmm. And and when you're watching the markets now, um, you're you're watching like 500 points in the Dow up or down on any given day. Um, you're you're talking about an investment trust as a way to you know to to kind of protect your assets, but uh, how does it how does that fit in with other investments as well? Like for an overall portfolio for somebody. Yeah, and that's one of the great things about using an investment trust is that you do still have some flexibility to do some customization. So you know you can look for particular funds or products that you know maybe focus on. You know Canadian dividend stocks. If you're if you're interested in and and believe that there's some potential growth in that area, you can look at the tech sector. You can do a combination of the two. Um, you know, really any sort of product that's available on the bank side of the street can be obtained using a commercialized trust or an investment trust. Um, the, the the difference, of course, at the end of the day, is that that principal guarantee. So. You know, a lot of the very same funds can be obtained, um, you know, through that investment trust as well. So who needs estate planning? Who who do you think uh, needs it and maybe doesn't know it? Are you looking at a certain age group or does everybody need some form of estate planning? Yeah. So, so that's a great question. So I would suggest to you that, you know, typically most most families sort of turn to estate planning when they're maybe in their you know, early 60s is sort of where we see the the start. But really, if you think about estate planning properly, it's about it's about building wealth. It's about minimizing taxation. It's about managing risk. And so, from that perspective, you know, everyone needs it. Particularly if you're active in business, um, you know, it's not not surprising that uh, you know many of our clients they actually start their estate planning in their 30s and 40s as they're building their businesses. To, to, to really make sure that at the end of the day, they're maximizing the return on their investment and they're minimizing taxation throughout. And that's, that's where you really see the gains because, you know, that just that compounding value over the decades can make a real difference to a family's overall wealth. We're talking to Chris Sabat from Macmillan Estate Planning. Uh, you can go to their website at www.macmillanestate.com. And uh, you have some virtual seminars planned. Uh, there's two of them, 5.30 p.m. Wednesday, November 18th, and then Wednesday, December 2nd. So I guess this is good for people uh, who might be interested, have some questions. Uh, I guess uh, you can answer a lot of questions in a virtual seminar. Absolutely. So there's the uh, there's of course the ability to send some questions in advance if if someone would like to call our office or or email them in advance. And there's also a, a live chat function that's available during the seminar. And so certainly any any questions that are posed, we'll do the best to to that we can to answer them. And uh, you know ultimately, um, you know following the attendance of the the seminar. We encourage, you know, prospective clients or families that we might work with to just contact us for a complimentary consultation and, 
you know, through that we can talk about their specific circumstances and how some of the so how some of the comprehensive estate planning techniques might apply to their their particular circumstances. And you kind of touched on this, but it you don't have to be of retirement age to benefit from this. You could be younger and 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 learn a lot from something like this. Oh, absolutely. So you know, there are, of course different stages at life where you know various parts of a comprehensive estate plan are, are certainly applicable. Um, and when it comes to investment strategies and tax planning strategies, that's that's something that we all need. And when you look at the one end of the continuum, sort of our our business owners, our entrepreneurs, you know, my experience is that that many of them never retire. They might they might slow down a little bit, but they're always always active in business in some way. And so, in that sense, um, it, it makes sense to continually be thinking about you know ways to minim- minimize tax and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We're talking uh, estate planning, and if you want to go to one of these seminars, there's one Wednesday, November 18th, and one Wednesday, December 2nd at 5.30. Just go to their website, www.mcmillanestate.com, and you can hear from Chris Sabat. Chris Sabat is with us, and uh, we're talking about estate planning, and we're talking about sort of uh, navigating through these uncertain times, and uh, something that's a, a, a steady way to maximize your nest egg is through proper tax management. Let's talk about some of the ways people can immediately uh, make their situation better. What are some examples of tax strategies that can help people? Sure. So there, there are a couple of strategies that are quite popular right now. One is, a, is an estate freeze. And in essence, what you do is you define the taxation that would be imposed on passing and transfer the growth in in the value of or the future growth in the value of assets to sort of the next generation to the children that sort of thing in order to avoid taxation in in what's typically the parent generation's hands and so that that can have a real significant impact to to many families um, we're also seeing many families start to use what's called a prescribed interest rate loan. Um, you know, typically what would happen is maybe a, an investment portfolio or the value of an investment portfolio is lent at a prescribed rate to to a family trust or to maybe a lower income, uh, sorry, a member of the family with a lower income. And through through that sort of a technique, you can minimize taxation on on the return on that investment account. And then you know, we're even just seeing a lot of work by many business owners, entrepreneurs to make sure that that some of the tax exemptions that are in place, that they don't find themselves off offside the rules that have to be met or the requirements that have to be met in order to access some of those exemptions, things like a lifetime capital gains exemption, that, that sort of thing. Um, because sometimes what happens is, is in reality, we're so busy focused on, on building the business and running the business that we lose sight of these things, and it can have a real impact on, on our overall estate values. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting looking after your, your children uh, you know, in the future. <laughs> but first of all, you have to like your children, I guess, but most of us do, I think. Uh, we're talking to Chris Sabat from McMillan Estate Planning. Uh, you can go to www.mcmillanestate.com. McMillan Estate Planning is the, the people you want to talk to. Chris Sabat is with us. And uh, Chris, we were talking about 
a lot of the uh, the strategies people should use when dealing with their nest egg, protecting their nest egg, helping their nest egg to grow. Uh, we talked a little bit about tax strategy. What about the idea of borrowing to invest? Because money has never been this cheap. Interest rates historically low. It doesn't look like they're going to be going up for a while. Uh, where do you stand on borrowing to invest? Well, that's that's a fantastic question. So, I mean, borrowing to invest, it's not exactly a, a new strategy. It's been used by by many individuals for quite some time. The the difficulty from my perspective in the current climate is that the traditional way to sort of borrow to invest involves using a margin account. And so the the risk associated with that is that if if there's a sudden significant decrease in the value of your of your investment account, the the bank or or the lender has the ability to basically call that loan. And so suddenly you find yourself maybe having to liquidate assets at a value that, you know, maybe you feel doesn't represent their, their true value because you have to meet that margin call. And, and of course, that, that margin call or the amount to be paid can be demanded on a, on a very short notice. Where, from my perspective, where investing or borrowing to invest works quite well is where you conv- combine it with an investment trust. So the notion is you go to the market, you know, maybe you borrow $100,000 or maybe you borrow a million dollars and you invest that in the market. But because you have that principal guarantee, there's no risk that an institution is going to call that loan. And so even if there is that temporary drop in value, at the end of the day, so long as you're able to make the payments that are necessary to satisfy the interest on the loan, which is, is you know, typically relatively minimal in a low interest rate environment, your investment's secure. You don't have to worry about about the traditional risks associated with things like a margin call. So, borrowing borrowing to an inv- sorry borrowing to invest with that principal guarantee through through an investment trust works quite well. You know, in times of significant market uncertainty, sort of that traditional method where you have that risk of the margin call. You know, I sort of generally encourage people to to shy away from unless they have a, a fairly high risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. And and if you're um, borrowing to invest, there are some tax advantages too with the interest that you're paying on the loan. Absolutely. So it works. I mean, especially if you're a high. Sorry, if you're taxed in one of the in the top income tax brackets, it really works well because at the end of the day, you know, if you're in the top bracket, you in essence can deduct from other sources of income that interest rate. Um, or sorry, the interest that you're paying on that investment loan, which which in effect basically uh, sort of cuts the the out of pocket cost of that loan in half. So it works, especially if you're in a higher sorry in a higher tax bracket. It works really quite well because of that interest deductibility. Chris Sabat is our guest. He is from Macmillan Estate Planning. www.macmillanestate.com is the website. Two L's in Macmillan and M-A-C, macmillanestate.com. And they have a couple of virtual seminars coming up that you can sign up for on their website. Wednesday, November 18th and Wednesday, November or December 2nd at 5.30. So just go to macmillanestate.com. Now, Chris, um, is there sort of a typical routine you go through when somebody comes to you and says, uh, I want to I plan my estate? Um, what, are, what are the first things you look at? What are the first things you ask that person? That's a great question. So really, I mean, the first thing that we're asking or the first thing that we want to learn about is we want to learn about the family, 
you know, we want to learn about what's important to them, um, you know, some of those sorts of details. You know, what what are their goals and objectives during their lifetime? What are their goals and objectives for their legacy? You know, how do family dynamics play into into all of this? You know, what sort of assets do they have? You know, is there you know, is there maybe a family business that they want to transition or a farm they want to transition to to one or more of the children? You know, generally speaking, all families are unique, and uh, and they all have their own goals and objectives that they want to meet, and and that's that's really the starting point for an estate plan. Do you find that most people, when they come see you, uh, they don't realize how how well they're doing, or they think they're doing better than they are? <laughs> is it is that something you notice? You know, it's it's interesting. What what I would say is that most individuals have done some sort of estate planning. And by that, I mean, you know, maybe they've created a will or maybe they've created an enduring power of attorney. You know, maybe they've they've obtained some some tax planning advice at various points as they've created their business. But the, the problem is, is they haven't really necessarily often brought together the various disciplines, you know, all of the legal and tax planning tools that can be used to to help them meet their goals and objectives. So it's, you know, it's rare we come across a family that really hasn't done anything, but it's also rare at the same time that they've they've really looked at things from a comprehensive uh, point of view and sort of brought it all together. And that's you know that's that's where you're able to leverage on all of those different tools that might be available to really you know really make a difference to the family. I guess that's important, a sort of a holistic approach, because people may have money or or equity that's could be utilized, but they just, they don't connect the two things. Yeah. You know, I, the advantage I think of the services that McMillan provides is that at the end of the day, you know, we have, we have accountants in-house, we have lawyers in-house, we have all of the different professionals in-house that a family might need. And so rather than, you know, perhaps meeting with your lawyer and receiving some advice and then, you know, then meeting with your accountant and trying to translate that advice and kind of reconcile it all in your own mind, you know, at the end of the day, what we can do is bring together or, or bring forward solutions that help the family to meet their overall objectives because we're, you know, we've got all of those different disciplines in-house. And, and I think that that's what's, what's really important. Otherwise, you know, at the end of the day, there's I think there's quite a bit of quite a bit of uncertainty as to whether or not a family actually has a comprehensive estate plan. We're talking with Chris Sabat from Macmillan Estate Planning, uh, MacmillanEstate.com. They've got a couple of virtual seminars coming up uh, November 18th and December 2nd. You can go to the website and sign up for those. And we're talking about uh, just general, uh, you know. Planning your nest egg, building your nest egg, protecting your nest egg. And one thing about this kind of stuff that has always kind of confounded me, maybe you can help me with this, is life insurance. I mean, on a, on a basic level, I understand you, it's like any other insurance. You, you're betting that you won't die. But life insurance is very complicated. How does life insurance fit into this kind of a plan? Well, that's a fantastic question. So... You know, early on in life, I, I would suggest to you, you know, life insurance or term life insurance is often about just making sure that in the event that, you know, for for example, there's a, a passing of one of the spouses, that the family is, is protected, you know, that they're going to you know, still have a, a pillow under their head, so to speak. But when you really look at comprehensive estate planning, 
life insurance becomes or can become quite an important element because it has some real tax planning advantages, you know, especially for, you know, for property owners or business owners. And one of the one of the one of the main issues is that often capital becomes sort of trapped in the corporation in the sense that it's very difficult to get it out without without paying some some pretty significant taxes. And life insurance can offer an opportunity to to basically um, have not only tax-free growth, but to extract capital on a tax-free basis from a company. And so it it can be a very powerful tool in the right circumstances. But the you know the, the key is to to make sure that you're working with somebody that sort of understands all of the ins and outs associated with it. Because um, at the end of the day, there is an insurance component that that does have a cost. Mm-hmm. And I can I can see why that's why you need to go to Macmillan Estate Planning because uh, I find it very very confusing. Chris Sabat is with us, uh, MacmillanEstate.com, and and what about home ownership? Um, somebody who owns a big piece of Vancouver real estate, uh, it's worth, sometimes it's worth a lot more than they even realize. Uh, do you think it's important that people who have a huge chunk of equity, uh, especially when they're getting to that age where they're going to retire, that they, that they use that? And what are some ways that people can use that equity in their home? Well, that, that's a fantastic question. You know, home ownership is interesting. Traditionally, it's been one of the great tools that we can use to increase our, our estate value. I mean, if you think about the Vancouver experience, the way in which real estate is increased in value, um, it's fantastic. And if it's your principal residence, it's currently tax-free growth. Now, there's some talk about, about whether or not that would, would change. Um, but at the, you know, at, in the current moment, it's tax-free growth, and it's it's fantastic from the perspective of estate values. Now, you know, some some people do look to um, to utilize that equity in the home for things like leveraged investing, um, you know, to to secure um, you know additional sort of credit in order to invest in business, those sorts of things. Um, I think the key is before you start to leverage the home, though, you have proper advice and, and a good plan in place. Because right now you have theoretically this this great asset with a lot of tax-free growth and value in it. Um, you know, the last thing you'd want to do is, is find yourself utilizing that equity in a way that could, that it could be lost. Yeah, absolutely. And I heard some statistic, and it was insane. Uh, it was something like a third of of real estate in Vancouver or houses are owned free and clear by people. And that is a huge amount of, of equity. Plus it's also a huge amount of equity that's going to be inherited by other people. So it's really incredible. Absolutely. It's going to be, I mean, there's a massive transfer of wealth that's going to happen in the lower mainland area. And that's why you need some good estate planning. Macmillan Estate Planning is a good name. Chris Sabat, another good name. MacmillanEstate.com. You can go there and uh, sign up for a a free virtual seminar. And uh, as we wrap up, any any final words on on this, Mark? Do you have any calming words to tell us in this sort of uh, market that's kind of changing and going up and down? Anything to relax us? You know what? At the end of the day, what I'd encourage most families to do is to actually start the estate planning process. Um, it actually provides you a fair bit of 
sort of comfort and security to even just know that you've had the opportunity to think about, you know, how we're going to to generate the funds that are necessary for retirement, how we're going to preserve estate values. Um, you know, in times of sort of chaos, the the best thing is to to actually get control of the situation, and that's what I think is what I think estate planning brings to the situation. Well, thank you, Chris. Chris Sabat from Macmillan Estate Planning. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your weekend, Chris. You as well. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. MacmillanEstate.com. They've got those two virtual seminars, Wednesday, November 18th, Wednesday, December 2nd at 530. So go to MacmillanEstate.com and sign up for those. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And when we come back, it's time to ask Andrew. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Time now for Ask Andrew. That's when we ask Andrew Ferrara, our executive producer of Vancouver Consumer, what is going on. And uh, I notice you're looking at the results of the SFU gondola survey. I have not seen it, but I am guessing uh, 9 out of 10 people think a gondola is a cool thing. I mean, gondolas are very cool. Uh, You're actually pretty close. It's 84% of Burnaby residents polled. Uh, said that they were either very supportive or just supportive of the gondola. Uh, so they got about 13,000 responses over the four-week uh, survey conducted uh, in September. Um, only 8% of the region's population indicated their opposition to it, which is a pretty good sign. Uh, now, if you're familiar with SFU, you know it's literally on top of a mountain. Yes. Uh, so when it gets cold and frosty and snowy, bussing up there is usually a no-go. Yeah. Um, and so this is that was that's one of the big things that they want to uh, you know fix with the gondola. It'd provide you know in snowy weather a relatively foolproof way to get from the SkyTrain down at you know either Lake City Way or Production Way University up to the SFU campus and back. Um, so this four week uh, consultation period was just stage one of the process. Uh, the gondola will be about three and a half kilometers long, depending on there's three different routes that it could take. There's a direct route, kind of one that goes out towards near where Burquitlam is and goes up the mountain. And one that goes, it starts at Lake city and kind of goes over the Bernie mountain golf course. If you know where that is, and then up the mountain to SFU. Um, now what's really intriguing about this is, and we talked about this uh, before the show today, but you were saying that, you know, like what would the gondola even look like? And it is essentially like what you would see at Grouse Mountain. Really? Like a big square thing? Yep, people, like a, yeah. a big rectangular thing that would climb the mountain. Uh, it could hold about uh, the, the, the theorized peak, uh, you know, passenger throughputs, about 3,000 passengers per hour. Wow, that's, um, that's a lot. Of, that's more people than I would have guessed. Exactly. And that's because unlike, you know, at Grouse Mountain, uh, these gondolas would be coming every 30 to 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, you would you would have you know twenty seconds to load on, and then you just you whisk up the mountain. The next one would be already on its way. I like the gondolas because they have a James Bond kind of vibe. They're kind of cool. Looking. Yeah. Now, of course, there are concerns uh, with the gondola. Of course, because you're going over top of residential areas, some people had privacy concerns. Right. Uh, if you look at what's happened in Squamish with the with the uh, with uh, with the Squamish gondola. That cable's been cut now twice in two years. That's true. So there's another worry that people are saying this could be a target for vandalism. Uh, but again, those, you know, the concerns are obviously well-founded, but um, for various reasons, it's unlikely to think that would the same thing would happen um, with this Burnaby gondola. Um, the gondolas would have a 35-passenger capacity cabin, which is, I, I think, I, the more I think about it, that's kind of big, isn't it? That's kind of roomy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And the uh, as bus ridership increases, they're going to need a new way to get up the mountain. So this gondola could factor into the future, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, stage two of the of the consultations will be coming up soon. You know, there's no really set time. They'll figure it out, and that'll be for more deciding which path people like. Uh, and before we go, I do want to bring up that uh, coming up this week, uh, it is going to be Remembrance Day. Yeah. And there's one thing that I feel... Uh, that you've probably noticed or you've probably heard about is that there aren't, you know, your veterans and volunteers out there with the poppy boxes. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, I have not seen any. So the boxes are still out there. Uh, if you want to, you know, donate uh, to the boxes, you know, the folks won't be actually there holding them, but, you know, uh, I'll just name a couple places and you can do the rest here. Uh, they'll be at BMO's, Best Buy's, they'll be at uh, Loblaws, London Drugs, Michael's, Starbucks's various different places some of these places will have volunteers during scheduled times but because of the pandemic it's a little bit harder uh the legion is saying though if you really want to make that difference they are encourage you go to the website legion.ca you can donate online right through there it's super simple to do again that's legion.ca remembrance day is coming up and you know every year when this comes around uh, there's a need. There's always a need, and during the pandemic, there is an even bigger need. I think because a lot of our a lot of our veterans are getting up in age, and our senior citizens, those older than us, are the ones who are suffering the most right now with this pandemic. So anything you can do to help and and, and honor uh, those who have given their lives, those who have done you know their best for our country, I think is a good thing. Yeah, go go online and give some money. And uh, how how long does your poppy generally last? I, I mine last about twelve hours before I lose them. <laughs> so I go through about three every year. I'm usually really good. Really? I, uh, I'm usually really good. I, I I usually will toss a loony or a toonie in every now and then when I see one. But I've had the same poppy. I think for two and a half for two years now. I've had the same poppy. That is incredible. <laughs> that is almost weird. I don't want to lose it. So, <laughs> Andrew Ferrara, ask Andrew. Uh, well, this has been Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week, two p.m. for Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.